are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Miami Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Friday episode of Locked On Dolphins. Today is Friday, April 9th, 2021, and I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, Director of Scouting at TheDraftNetwork.com, Managing Editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and going to put the Chris Greer hat on once again today to experience a hypothetical and explore what options the Dolphins would have. It is somewhat of a doomsday scenario, but more so it's exploring what avenues the Dolphins could take in the event that they felt compelled to trade out of the number 18 pick. We've talked a lot about the sixth overall pick, which was originally the third pick, and then for a hot sec there was the 12th pick, and now is the sixth pick in the draft, and the Dolphins' options, and obviously the quarterback watch, and how that's going to impact the Dolphins, and what the Bengals do, and there's a lot of dominoes at play here for the Miami Dolphins to make this decision at six, but we shouldn't sleep on 18 either. Because you look at the Dolphins and their draft capital and their allocation of assets for this year's NFL draft, and they've got two picks in the top 20. It's phenomenal. You've got two more picks in the top 50 to bring you a grand total of four. It's terrific. You've got one more at 81 to give you five picks in the top 100. I like those averages. That's an exciting blend of picks. And then you got to wait a little bit because of the trade-up from 12 to 6, because of some of the other moves the Dolphins have made along the way. You only have three picks on day three, a five and two sevens. And I understand that the Dolphins roster is better today than it's been in quite some time. Uh, The rebuild process is paying off to the degree in which you are now seeing the Dolphins fill out a roster when they start getting rid of players. Those players will want to be claimed by other, or those, those players will be claimable players for other teams across the league for so many now, the, the last couple of years, it was like, okay, so-and-so cut a defensive back or a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman. Are the Dolphins going to make a waiver claim? And in some places on this Dolphins roster, you're now starting to see a level of depth in which if they cut players, those players will be rosterable, rosterable blah, 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 for other teams. That's a great place to be. You want to have that across the entire roster if you can. Ideally, you'll, you'll get there. It's a bit of an ambitious ask, but that should be the objective of every position group within the the roster. So with that in mind, you don't necessarily need seven picks on day three of the NFL draft because some of these guys, a lot of these guys potentially, wouldn't even make your 53-man roster. So I understand that the Dolphins don't have a ton of assets, but it is worth mentioning that you have a five and two sevens, nothing else on day three. The Dolphins have traditionally found some good value additions on day three of the NFL draft. Andrew Van Ginkle, Miles Gaskin, Devon Gotchow, Jason Sanders, some fairly prominent players, and of course Gotchow is no longer on the team, but Chris Greer has found some success, Solomon Kinley, as a starter in the fourth round this year. They've found successful additions on day three for this roster. And to only have a five and two sevens, this pick at 18 could be the next ticket in line. And depending on how the board breaks, that's where you'll need to have this conversation. 
So I'm going to use the Draft Network's mock draft machine and go through a simulation in, in which it's already been run. And it's kind of a, I don't want to say doomsday is not the right word, but Najee Harris is off the board. He's been drafted by another team. Jalen Phillips is off the board. He's been drafted by another team. So two of the most popular, Micah Parsons, off the board. So I'm going to read through the best available players here. And in that opportunity, it's going to explore why now is where that conversation can come into play. Travis Etienne, running back Clemson. Aziz Ojolari from the University of Georgia, pass rusher, but not an ideal fit for the Dolphins based on if you're anticipating that he's going to play defensive end and not linebacker. Trayvon Morig, the safety from TCU. Rashad Bateman, wide receiver, Minnesota. Javante Williams, running back, North Carolina. Jason Owe from Penn State, the defensive end. A couple of corners, Greg Newsom, Northwestern. Caleb Farley, Virginia Tech. Eric Stokes, Georgia. These are the best players available right now. Elijah Vera Tucker uh, is somebody who's worth mentioning. He is on the board. I know Mike Tannenbaum just gave him to the Dolphins in a mock draft earlier this week. Uh, he's made it to 218. But if you're the Dolphins and you want to go with either a running back or an edge rusher with your second pick, you could take Aziz Ojolari here. You could take Travis Etienne here. But is there not an opportunity for you to try to play the board, pick up some more day three capital, the question is, who are your trade potential trade partners in this scenario if you decide, hey, we'd like to move back a little bit? And if you find trade partners, what, pray tell, could you potentially get for this trade? And of course, that will depend on how far back you're willing to go, but there's some strategy here because you look at the board and you've got a number of landmines that you're going to have to navigate. If you want edge and running back, you've kind of got a defined strike zone that you're going to have to be comfortable working with. The team's picking immediately behind the Dolphins at 18. Washington football team. Chicago Bears. Indianapolis Colts. Tennessee Titans. New York Jets. Pittsburgh Steelers. Jacksonville Jaguars, Cleveland Browns, Baltimore Ravens, New Orleans Saints, Green Bay Packers, Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is the end of the first round. So if you're interested in running backs, who are the teams behind you in the queue that are going to be interested in running backs? Well, the Jets at 23 are a contender. I don't think that would be a wise investment for them, but you at least have to acknowledge it. Pittsburgh at 24, very much could be a contender. Jacksonville could be a contender for Travis Etienne, reuniting him with Trevor Lawrence. Do not sleep on the Buffalo Bills as a potential landing spot. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 32. Those are the teams that I would pick. So you have Jets, Steelers, Jaguars, Bills, Bucks. Five potential landing spots, and one of the top three running backs is already off the board. So it gets a little murky here. You're interested in edge rushers. Who are the teams behind you that need help rushing the passer? The Tennessee Titans at 22. The Pittsburgh Steelers just lost 
Bud Dupree to free agency. The Cleveland Browns would really love somebody across from Miles Garrett. The Baltimore Ravens lost both Matt Judon and Yannick Ngakwe in free agency. The New Orleans Saints just lost Trey Hendrickson in free agency. The Buffalo Bills are another contender for a pass rusher. So, of course, you get into the numbers game, right? And only each team can only pick one player. But if Jalen Phillips is gone, if Najee Harris is gone, you have a defined strike zone in which you need to be comfortable playing the numbers game to the same degree in which the Dolphins played the numbers game, trading out of three, back to 12, back to six. Because that's what they did. They're playing the numbers game, whether it's one target that they have or they have a three-person checklist and they're comfortable with, hey, worst case scenario, four and five, go two of the top guys on our board. We still have three. We're comfortable with that pick at six. Football season may be over, but Bet Online still has plenty of sports betting action for you. It is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action. NBA, MLB, NHL, all in full swing right now. Plus, Bet Online even covers awards, television shows, and reality TV with real time updated odds and props on just about anything that you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news scores and odds and is the best way to place your bets. Plus, it's free to sign up. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, promo code locked on. So if you're the Dolphins, and presumably your top two targets are off the board in Jalen Phillips, and, and that's a big leap. I have no intel that tells me that's the case. And Najee Harris, who's been tied to the Dolphins pretty significantly. They're off the board. If you're comfortable with just walking away of one of the above, instead of pigeonholing yourself and saying, we need a running back or we need an edge, the good news is you've got Ojalari, Pei, Owe on the board. Owe would not be my target. You've got Greg Rousseau. All reasonable options. And at running back, you have Travis Etienne and Javante Williams. So... Williams, Etienne is two. Ojolari, Pei, Owe, Russo is six. If you're going to say, we need one of these top six, then mathematically speaking, you can move back to somewhere around 23, 24, 25. 23 is the Jets, so that's not a likely spot. I think the best case scenario, if you wanted a running back, is to try to do a deal with the Tennessee Titans at 22. They need pass rush help. They need defensive help desperately. They also need wide receiver. They also need a right tackle. Titans, obviously, Isaiah Wilson. Yikes. Dennis Kelly's also off the roster for them. So the Titans need right tackle. They need pass rush help. They need corners. The teams in front of them, immediately in front of them, three picks, Washington, Chicago, and Indianapolis all need an offensive tackle. I would put the odds of any of the three drafting a running back as effectively zero. Washington has Antonio Gibson. Chicago has David Montgomery. The Colts have like four capable running backs, and the Titans have Derrick Henry. No, none of those guys are drafting running backs. So if you do a deal with Tennessee and move back from 18 to 22, you give the Titans an opportunity to either grab an edge if they love Aziz Ojolari, you give them an opportunity to draft a Tevin Jenkins, who's another really good player. 
beating the punch to Washington and Chicago. And the Dolphins stay in front of the three potential contenders for running backs early on in the queue in the Jets, Steelers, and Jaguars. What should you expect if you were to try to do a deal with the Tennessee Titans? I found, looking back over from 2016 to 2020, all of the somewhat parallel deals. A lot of these correlations are not one-to-one, but it gives you an idea of mid-round, first-round trades, which you can get. Just this past year, San Francisco and Tampa Bay did a pick swap of 14 and 13. One spot. San Francisco traded a first 13 and a seventh 245 to Tampa for a first 14 and a fourth 117. So that exchange of one spot gave the San Francisco 49ers an extra fourth round pick and they gave up a seventh round pick to move down one spot. Miami does that. Hey, that's not bad, right? 2019, we saw the Seattle Seahawks trade back from 21 to 30, and they got two fourth-round picks for their troubles. So nine spots down the order, they got 114 and 118 for their troubles there. 2018, Seattle traded from 18 to 27, and they traded 18 and 248, for 27, 76, and 186. So first, third, and sixth rounders for a first and seven. So if Miami needs to throw a seventh rounder in, like by all means, throw your seventh rounder in if it's going to get you more mid-round picks. 2016, Washington, pick swap of one spot, 21 to 22. And they got an extra sixth round pick. For their troubles. So you as the Dolphins, moving from 18 to 22, the discrepancy on the trade value chart is approximately 120 points. What is the value of 120 points on the trade value chart? It's the value of a late third round pick. So if you're the Dolphins and you want to do a deal with Tennessee, maybe you call them up, say, hey, tackles are still on the board. You want to beat Washington, Chicago, Indianapolis to the punch. We'll trade you 18 and 258, late seventh round pick, next to last pick in the draft. And for your troubles, we'll take 22, 100, which is worth 100 points, and 166. And if they play hardball with 166, we say, fine, we'll take 205 you could potentially move back four spots, try to recoup a late three, the later of Tennessee's two threes. They have a compensatory three, which is the one we would be targeting. And you could get a five or a six as well. A one, a three, and a six for a one and a seven. Not dissimilar to the deal that was done when Seattle moved back from 21 to 30. Now, of course, the challenge there is that deal involved a greater drop back. So Tennessee could say, well, you know, what if we give you 126 and 205? You know, if they want to play a one, a four, and if you got to wait an extra 26 picks, like that's still an acceptable return to me. From the trade value chart perspective, uh, Tennessee's making out there a little bit. 
if you add up all the picks, that deal skews towards Tennessee. So if they're desperate, you could press them for a three. If they're not, you might have to accept a four. But if you move back four spots, you're the Dolphins, you have effectively protected yourself by not dropping back behind the Jets and Steelers and the Jaguars and the Bills and the Bucks. The only risk you run at that point is a team like Indianapolis is notorious for trading down. They do good business, Chris Ballard and the Indianapolis Colts. So if you move back that number of spots and you sit behind Indianapolis, the worst case scenario, you swing open the door and invite somebody to come swoop in and take a player right off your doorstep. But the good news is there's still two backs that you view as acceptable players to pick in Travis Etienne and Javante Williams. Never mind, you've got a bunch of edge options that you have to work with as well. So the Tennessee Titans are a really attractive trade-back option in my book for the Dolphins at 18 if the board does not fall the way that they like and they want to add more day three capital. We have been telling you about our friends over at Built Bar for quite some time here on the Locked On Network. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar with high protein, low calories, high fiber, low sugar, and 100% chocolate on all of their bars. Built Bar is quite the surprise relative to some other chalky, bitter, tough-tasting protein bars that instead, quite frankly, taste like chewing on a piece of cardboard as compared to something you would actually want to ingest. So whether you're looking for something that's keto-friendly, something for after your workout, something to grab on the go, something to start your day, or just want to eat something delicious, Built Bar can fill that need for you in your daily routine. Right now, you can visit BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and save 15% off your next order. So find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. Visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get yourself a box of the world's best tasting protein bar. What other trade candidates may the Dolphins stumble their way into? Uh, Depends on how far back you want to go. I don't think doing business with the Jets is very likely. It's not impossible. We've seen it happen from time to time. Interdivisional deals. Pittsburgh, we've seen them do business with. If you're comfortable with letting Tennessee is a threat for an edge, the Jets are a threat for both edge and running back, but not a guarantee. You know, perhaps they go wide receiver there because they have some needs there. There's an outside chance that the Dolphins could play the game a little bit and get back to a spot like 24 and have most, if not all, of their desirable options still on the board. But then you get into a slew of teams, Jacksonville, Baltimore, Cleveland, that are all threats for edge or running backs. But if you're interested in dropping back, like backpack, 28's a spot to watch because 28, the New Orleans Saints, are a team that has traditionally been quite aggressive with the NFL draft. They are a team that the Dolphins have done business with before, with the Saints moving up to draft Eric McCoy not that long ago in the second round of the 2019 NFL draft the trade that helped spur into motion the decision to pursue Josh Rosen. 
And we've also seen the Saints make splash plays in the past to trade up for pass rushers. So if the Saints want somebody to replace Trey Hendrickson, or alternatively, if QB5 were to somehow tumble, and the Saints, who lost Drew Brees to retirement and are currently rocking both Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill as their quarterbacks on their roster, are interested in making a play for a quarterback, getting in front of both Washington and Chicago, who are two teams that need long-term solutions at the position, then you get into a little bit of a different animal. Of course, you're running the risk of seeing the well dry up in some of your other areas of need, but you'd still be staying in front of Buffalo and Tampa Bay, who are threats for running backs. You're just conceding and falling behind Tennessee, the New York Jets, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Cleveland Browns, and the Baltimore Ravens in the edge rush department. Now, are the odds of all of those teams going edge rushers very high? No. But you will see some of your candidates, the Aziz Ojolaris and Quiddy Pays most likely, potentially the Jason Oways, dissipate. And then you have to ask yourself, okay, Greg Rousseau, is he in serious consideration? If not, are we going to hope one of the running backs is there? It's not an easy question to answer. But here's what I know about the Saints. They did this not that long ago. The Saints moved from 27 to 14 to draft defensive end Marcus Davenport in 2018. And they gave up 27, a 5, and a future first-round pick to get that deal done for the pass rusher never mind potentially making the move for a quarterback if you got to that spot. Now, are the the odds that a quarterback gets past Denver and New England very likely? No. And if they did start to get into that range, perhaps Washington and Chicago come calling. But that's why I want to focus on the edge rusher discussion here. New Orleans, Trey Hendrickson had 12 sacks last year. Marcus Davenport, who they gave all those extra picks up for, has not been a productive NFL player. They're going to need help opposite Cam Jordan. They've lost a ton of assets. So you can make the case, well, you need the picks then. But the Saints are still operating in an extremely tight window with the cap and should view themselves as a team that is potentially continuing to operate in a win-now window, even with Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. So even if it's an edge rusher, like this business can still get done here because New Orleans is sitting behind Baltimore, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, the Jets, and the Titans as potential edge rush candidates, plus the Dolphins at 18. They would have to make a move if they would want to guarantee themselves to get a plug-and-play edge rusher for a team that's in a win-now window. What's the pick discrepancy from 18 to 28? The discrepancy is 240 points. The value of 240 points is equivalent to the value of the 70th overall pick in the NFL draft. So quite clearly, when New Orleans went from 27 to 14, it would be a fair statement to say they overpaid in giving a future one and a five. Because the discrepancy of those picks from 27 to 14 is 520 points, which is equivalent to the 38th overall pick. 
So you can see that just the depreciation of as you get into the middle of the first round and down, picks depreciate quite rapidly. So you're, you're talking a full round difference as far as the value. So Miami expecting themselves to be able to say, yeah, like we can go out and we can get an, a future one trading back 10 spots with New Orleans to go get a pass. No, I don't think that's the expectation. But New Orleans does own pick 60, which is worth 300 points. So if you want to hold New Orleans' feet to the fire, you want to make them twist in the wind a little bit. Hey, Saints, you want to make some noise? You want to come get your pass rusher? Here you go. Here's your pathway. The picks the Saints have, 28, which Miami would get back in a proverbial uh, potential deal. Pick number 60 worth 300 points. Picks 98 and 105 as third-round selections. 133. 218, 229, and 225, or 255. They have a substantial number of picks. So if you're Miami, you could come back and say, we want 28, 60, and we'll give you a seventh. You could say, we want 28, 98, 105, and 133, or a future three and try and play the long game and continue to get more future draft assets in addition to adding more picks in here and now. But the value is a discrepancy of 240 points. If you combine 98 and 105 alone, it's 192. Plus 133 is 39 and a half. So you could feasibly get two or three mid-round picks here from New Orleans plus getting 28 back. And then you're still in front of Buffalo and Tampa Bay in the running back market. And you're at kind of the mercy of the edge rush group. And at that point, you're probably banking on the tier two guys in the edge rush group, whether that's Carlos Basham Jr. from Wake Forest, Joseph Asai, Peyton Turner, Janarius Robinson, Joe Tryon. Like, there's options. They're just not the top of shelf options. So if I'm the Dolphins and I get a doomsday scenario or a a scenario in which the board plays out in a way I don't like for the 18th overall pick, the first two teams I'm calling are Tennessee, and Tennessee's the best case because you're only dropping a handful of spots. But history shows you you can pick up a significant draft pick along the way. Or I'm calling a team like Pittsburgh, seeing if they're interested. And then I'm calling the New Orleans Saints if I don't like what I get from those other teams. And if I'm going to slide back, I want to get appropriate value for my pick. There's your appropriate value. I understand there is a level of PTSD with the Dolphins' decision to play the board last year the way they did for running back. But I would encourage you to think of it this way. The Dolphins are continuing to build for long-term success. And... I don't think you should pigeonhole the Dolphins into forcing them to make a first-round pick at running back for fear of not getting one of the top three guys just because you need an upgrade at that position. You can get a complimentary player and still leave Miles Gaskin in a prominent role and have Malcolm Brown as the backup in short yardage situations. And you know how else you can get your running game better? Developing your offensive line. I just had that conversation with somebody the other day. The offensive line is going to make life a lot easier for whoever the running back is, so we better hope that we get Landon Dickerson or Creed Humphrey or if we're going to roll with Matt Skura, then we go out and get a guard. 
and you continue to retool that group and hope that the players you've invested in, Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, Solomon Kinley, continue to develop and get better as football players and create more chemistry because they've played around each other, they've been in the league a year, they've taken to the Dolphins coaching, which is what the Dolphins mantra is all about. The offensive line shoulders just as much of the brunt of the weight to improve the running game for the Miami Dolphins as the backs do. I'm not going to sit here and dispute that you need an upgrade at running back. But for my money, Trey Sermon from Ohio State is an upgrade on Miles Gaskin all the same because of the physical running style and his ability to run inside zone between the tackles and churn out tough yardage. Would I still like to get Travis Etienne or Javante Williams? And I'm not going to get into one, one, which one of those guys I would put atop the other. I think Javante Williams is probably a pure better fit from a stylistic standpoint. Yes, I would. But I can't, I can't let, I can't justify if I'm the Dolphins. And I'm not the Dolphins, but if I'm the Dolphins, I would have a hard time justifying making moves for the betterment of the entire roster for fear of potentially seeing the running back run go. And I can just hear Dolphins Twitter now, and if it happens, it's okay. Because again, your offensive line has to shoulder some of the responsibility to get better here. They just have to. And spacing issues for the Dolphins are already going to be solved with Will Fuller on the field. Period. And then and then we've, you know, you're drafting either Kyle Pitts or Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase or whoever at six. The spacing issues will be resolved because you have more dynamic players that can win vertically over the top. And you're hoping that Tua Tagovailoa, I mean, he can't be worse than what he was last year. He just can't. You have to be able to develop as a player. And the Dolphins' environment and their coaching is too good for a player to regress from year one to year two when he showed plenty of promise in year one. This is a scenario I haven't heard talked about a whole lot, but it's a scenario I'm quite interested in uh, because I would like more day three capital if I'm the Dolphins. I would like to, to be able to play the board a little bit and get better value if the board does not break in a friendly way for me at 18. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Locked on Dolphins. Hit subscribe, follow along. We are getting close to the 2021 NFL Draft. We have you covered for this event and every event. We are your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Kyle Krabs, fins up. Thanks, as always, for listening. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Enjoy your weekends, and I will talk with you all again on Monday.